Welcome to Belfast City Vineyard, where we are pursuing formation in the presence of Jesus, community gathered around Him, and the impact He empowers us to bring in our families, city, and the world. The following message was given at one of our Sunday services. For more information, visit our website at BelfastCityVineyard.com. Well, blessings. Uh, let me just get settled here. If you have a Bible with you of some variation, this is called paper, and, uh, or digitally, go ahead and open that up, if you would, to uh, John chapter 15. We're going to need that this morning. Um, I just want to uh, share a, a few things, a few remarks as we begin, it really is a privilege to be with you. Uh, you can see I keep wanting to get closer, but I'm going to stay in my place. Sorry, David. Um, but uh, if you could all just, no, I'm kidding. But it really is a privilege to be with you. Uh, it's actually our 35th wedding anniversary coming up here. So this is our 35th wedding anniversary trip. We actually have calculated the hours of that, and I'm not going to tell you what those are. But uh, we were here on our 30th anniversary as well, so we figure at least every five years we're coming to you. Whether you planned it or not, it's happening. Um, and of course, we're, we're with our, our beautiful daughter, Anna. We're so grateful for her. And our, our daughter was here last week, Abigail. And then our son, Ben, wishes he were here. So greetings from the whole, whole family. Uh, I wanted to begin by sharing a bit of a word of encouragement with you, and then we're going to dive into the scriptures. Uh, I want to talk today about what we'll call the ways we pray, and I want to talk about prayer. We tend to think of prayer primarily as an expression of us, as self-expression. But actually, prayer has been understood through the entire history of the church, including the New Testament, as formative. Not primarily as expressive, but rather as shaping us as we converse with God. But I want to begin by just saying a word to you in the midst of transition. Uh, we've talked a lot about transition this last period of time, seeing uh, all that you guys have been doing and being mobile and moving place to place and, and even preparing to be not far from here in, in a building. And I began to think about um, uh, an idea, one of my favorite ideas about discipleship in Christian history actually comes from the ancient Celtic uh, Christian imagination. And it was this idea that a disciple that a follower of Jesus is a wanderer. Now we think for a moment, oh no, wandering. That sounds like being aimless. Uh, it sounds like you know, missing the point and, and not getting to the goal that you set out to go to. But, but for uh, the Celts in their imagination, and we see it actually as we drive up north in some of these winding roads, the idea was that we are on a wandering, but it's not aimless. We are on a wandering to a destination that isn't a land. It's not a place. It's not a certain spiritual state. Our destination for the ancient Celtic believers was a person, is a person. It is to know as we are known. And so this entire image of the Christian life was less about straight lines and more about circuitous routes. Because how many of us know that sometimes you have to revisit something about 83 times in your life before all of a sudden you see God working in that situation? You know, from a bird's eye view, it would look like looking down as more uh, of a dance than it would a long journey. 
Because what happens in a dance? We know this. We took some dancing lessons years ago, and I'm still as mediocre now as I was then, huh? Um, But uh, in a dance, what is the point of a dance? It's this. That's the point of a dance. Uh, In that same language set, we have the idea of pilgrimage, which is uh, a physical journey with a spiritual destination, right? And I've found that as we take this journey, we have come here to a physical place, but actually it's a spiritual journey we're on. We're getting to know one another in our relationship in ever deeper and increasing ways. And so, so today I want to kind of take us into this place of talking about prayer for a moment, but I wanted to say to you, the destination of this community and we have sensed it through all the years, is a person. It is to host the presence of God in a way that we as human beings, beloved, you know, have you ever seen that, that bumper sticker? Uh, we, well, we have it uh, back in the States. And it's, uh, life is the curriculum, love is the lesson. You ever see that? I thought that was so sweet, if you really think about it. But I actually thought, no, I actually think biblically, life is the curriculum, belovedness is the lesson. How prized we are, how treasured we are, how loved we are. And we are moving toward a destination that's a person. So for the ancient Celts, what they would do is they would set out and do these wild, crazy exploits because for them, they were never beyond their home. Their home was in Christ, and Christ was in him. Therefore, they never missed home because their home was in him. Does that make sense? So you, as you move, you're taking home with you each place you go. When we come and we worship, thank you so much. What a beautiful time to commune with with the Lord together. We are always at home wherever the presence of the Lord is and his people gather. So you're moving toward a home that won't end in a building, But we'll be grateful for it when it's finished, right? And when we're all settled there. But we'll never lose this sense of attention to what we see in John chapter 15. So I'd like us just to turn there for a moment together. And I'd like us to say these words on the screen. It's just part of this verse. And if you have your Bibles open, you're seeing it in the context of an incredibly rich uh, tapestry of of different ideas that we see in John chapter 14 and John chapter 15. They bring all these ideas around this idea that we are to know as we are known, that we are to be in Christ and not simply of Christ. And so we come to this fascinating little verse, and I'd just like to read it out loud together. Abide in me and I in you. Now let's say it again. Abide in me, and I in you. Now this verse, I know, is part of the roots of this community, this call to intimacy with God in Christ. And the word here for abide, we think of words like rest in or dwell in. It literally means those words, and it means to stay It means to remain. And when you think of words like stay, it means don't not stay, right? When you say to a pet, stay, right? That means don't move, right? Stay. And what we see here is this idea that we are to remain, that we are to dwell in. And this language of home comes up again and again throughout these chapters of finding our home in Christ. 
Jesus is, is speaking to his disciples. May you be, you know, speaking to the Father, you know, I in you and you in me and us in them. And it's this in language. 216 times in the New Testament alone, this language of in Christ is mentioned. Being in Christ, dwelling within. And the language of home keeps coming up over and over again, especially in the Gospel of John. And why does that language of home keep coming up? Because uh, Eugene Peterson, as he explored it, saw that the goal of this passage and what Jesus is seeking to communicate is there is a dwelling within one another that is actually the goal, or to use a theological term, the telos of the Christian life. So I want to put something up here in in, uh, catechesis, which is teaching the faith in history. You'll often see in the back of books uh, a question and an answer. And, and it goes through who is God and what is God like and who is Christ and what is Christ like. And, and it goes through all these questions and answers. And this just stirred in my heart. If we read the entirety of the New Testament and if we sought to sum up the salvation story and purpose of the human life, we might find it sounding like this. What is the goal of the Christian life? The goal of the Christian life is union with God in, through Christ. Does that make sense? Union with God in, through Christ. The goal of your life and mine is not to achieve a certain thing, not even to ultimately be a certain kind of person, because that has to do with others. It has to do with us coming into fullness and wholeness in union with Christ. That is the goal of the Christian life. And anything we do that feeds that, that nurtures it, that celebrates it, that puts us in environments like we are in this morning to help us to move into union, into greater surrender in our lives to God in and through Christ is feeding this, call, this calling, this tell us, this end of our lives. So what does that have to do with prayer? Well, I'm so glad you asked. I want to talk about just another phrase here as we get into into some ideas related to prayer that I think is going to help us. And you put it up. It's good. I was going to say, Emily, wait for it. Let's do it together. I'm just kidding. Uh, It's perfect. And it's it's a simple phrase. And it's the phrase lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi. Now, it's a phrase in worship history that uh, I've always been moved by because what it literally means is the way you pray becomes and shapes the way you believe, which shapes the way you live, right? Lex orandi, the way we pray, that can also speak into all the things we do, like when we sing our prayers, like we did this morning. The ways that we pray shape what we believe. You see, we often think, oh, no, no, we believe these things. They are separate. And then we pray out of them and we live out of them. Well, actually, what, what in history we understand from worship is, is prayer is not simply an expression. It's actually forming us. So actually how we pray matters. If I am simply praying out of the fragments of my emotions all the time, I am shaping how I believe about God and about myself. And then when I shape my belief out of the ways that I pray, it begins to change and shape the way I live. I will live a very selfie life. 
Because the ways that I am praying are actually feeding how I believe this whole thing really works, which is actually changing the way I live in this world as a follower of Jesus. And so we have this idea, but it continues on. The way that we pray shapes the way that we believe, which also shapes the way we live. And the way we live shapes the way we pray, which shapes the way we believe. And it keeps just moving in our lives. So it's good for us to take a moment to pause on a Sunday morning and just talk a little bit about the ways that we pray and how we might recognize that prayer is not simply our expression to God. It's also a formative process that if we pray differently, we might actually be transformed into the likeness of Christ in new and lasting, sustained ways. So I just want to talk about three ways that we pray. So we're recognizing this idea that the goal of the Christian life is to come into union with God in Christ. That is the goal. Let's just keep that target in front of us. Now, in my Christian journey, uh, no one really ever taught me to pray. Because as far as I think everyone around me was concerned is, hey, we all just pray the way we want to pray. We just make it happen, right? We're talking to God and everything. But what ends up happening over time is we start to pray in what I'll call, uh, we're going to look at the first one here, prayer as transaction. It's asking. Now, please hear me. This is a biblical way to pray. We are invited to ask God. You do not have because you do not ask. We are invited to say, God, I have little power in this situation. You seem to have all the power in all the situations. Therefore, I ask you to do this. We even see Jesus saying to his disciples, I want you to ask. You you know, I want you to ask me for things, but I want you to ask me out of a particular perspective, not as a beggar on your knees before me, as one who knows me. As one who I know, I don't call a servant, I call a friend out of intimacy and communion. And so we have this idea of prayer as transaction. And James 4, 2, of course, you do not have because you do not ask. Mark 9, 24, help my unbelief. Lord, do this, please. Give me a job, right? Anyone pray that four word prayer in the last years? Give me a job. Do this thing, do that thing. I can't do it, therefore I need you to do it. It's a biblical way to pray. But let's understand that it might not be maturity in its fullness in prayer. Let's just say that. Let's say this is the way that a child might sound saying, give me lunch. Now, I want that. Okay, please. You know, whatever it takes. So this is a child asking. And of course, whenever we raise our hands, by the way, this uh, when you want to consider, if any of you like uh, church history, one of the most common prayer, prayer postures that we see, and, and you'll see this if you search uh, early Christians praying, is this. You'll see images of this. It's because they recognize that their body posture mattered. This is indeed surrender when we pray and we bow. But we'll see the early Christians often like this. What are they doing? They're opening themselves to the light of Christ shining on them. They are yielding themselves to a story that's bigger than their own. And so we see this idea of a child saying, I trust you. I believe in you. I can't do this, but you could. Therefore, I ask you. God cares about the desires of your heart and mine. 
So we are askers, aren't we? But what happens if that's the only way we pray? It begins to form us and we begin to disconnect with our own will and action and volition. And we begin to just say, God, you're the only one who can do things. Therefore, I need you to do this. So we say, well, there's a mature way to move beyond that while still embracing that that's part of our journey. So instead of just asking God for things all the time, now we start to see another biblical vision of prayer in prayer as conversation. If the first one is, you know, by God, this could happen. This is with God prayer. This is walking with God through the story of life and recognizing that not everything uh, fits into a neat, uh, I ask you and you do this equation. Because what happens if, if we have truncated prayer to this idea that it's a transaction and God doesn't do what we asked? Hmm. Now, all of a sudden, my faith is failing because God is not answering the prayer I prayed. So we move into the with God life, and we begin to see that this is the, this is the life in conversation with God. This is the psalmist. How long, O oh Lord? No, really, I have to ask you, how long? No, really, I, how long? And, and, the, and the psalmist isn't expecting a direct answer like, well, actually, 14 hours to... Maybe, but it's us getting to move in relationship with God. And now we're conversing. And how many of you have found yourself through the normal day-to-day of life just talking with God about the everyday? Now, it can be a drain if prayer for us is devoid of thanksgiving. And we simply see a transactional vision of that conversation that we're always in an asking mode. It can begin to actually drag us down and we start to feel burdens. And this is why gratefulness and thanksgiving is so integral to the with God prayer life. That conversation where we say, you know, we walk into our office building and instead of it's just, Lord, please remove that person from my employment area because they tick me off, you know, whatever. We actually start with, Lord, thank you. Thank you for these people that are forming my character. And thank you for the patience I'm learning here. Oh my goodness, the patience, you know, and thank you for the aesthetics of this room. And thank you for, you know, the, the lunch that I made. Thank you for the taste of coffee, Oh, the taste of coffee. Let's pause and give thanks, you know, but if we integrate those, all of a sudden the with God life, we begin to talk to God as one speaks to a friend, as it was said about Moses. So we see this conversational life, and that is more like a young adult, like we're growing up in conversation, right? We're not just asking, we're actually having a with perspective. And as a child is utterly dependent, now a young adult is starting to see that I get to partner in this, that that there's my will, I can take actions, that I could actually start to not only pray a prayer, but become part of the answer. Now we're doing things with God in the journey. And then we move to this next stage, and we'll call this prayer as communion. So if the first one is prayer as transaction, asking, and this second tone to our prayers, again, this isn't intended to be an exhaustive exploration of all the ways we pray, but it's about the tone, it's about the heart, it's about the motive behind it. Now, if prayer as conversation is about sharing, prayer as communion is about knowing. And this is the type of praying that emerges from abiding in Christ. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, but not my will. Yours be done. Now, all of a sudden, we've moved from the child asking 
to the young adult, in that sense, doing life with God into a mode where we are actually knowing who God is, knowing God, and we actually start to become, and I believe this is a a biblical vision of prayer, elders in prayer, where we start to carry not only our burdens to the heart of God, but God begins to say, here's how I feel about the community I'm now rooting this church in. How open are you to receive my heart Not only for me to receive your heart, but you to receive my heart. Well, that's what happens in a home, doesn't it? When we're abiding in one another, we're not only opening ourselves to being known, we are opening ourselves to knowing. I have a a little personal story that kind of unpacks this, and and it's a very challenging story in my journey. But as as I age, I'm finding I'm I'm learning new things all, all the while. I hear the creaking you mentioned. I'm moving back. So um, uh, it was 2020. And how many of you just had a great year in 2020? I mean, what a year, huh? It was a great year. 2020, it was difficult for all of us. It was difficult for everyone on the planet. Pandemic happens. And I had begun before this happened to go through some tremendous stress, some physical issues. Uh, We were dealing with chronic illness in our home. And it was just a very, very difficult time. Well, 2020, it was like, I'm not sure, all heaven, hell, purgatory, whatever, things broke loose. Like it happened. And I was in and out of the hospital. There was a moment I was in the hospital and my heart rate got up to 199. I was in an emergency room alone. Anita wasn't allowed in. And I thought I was going to die right there alone in that emergency room. And and, uh, my heart converted and it went back to its normal heart rate. And we went through all these different dynamics. But I was having breakdown after breakdown. And I mean complete breakdowns. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't feel right. My body was failing me. It was incredibly difficult. Difficult. The whole season of 2020, we came to a point where uh, it was uh, a season of three weeks of insomnia. How many of you have ever experienced a season of insomnia? Okay, some of you have. It's very difficult because you miss sleep for one night, you're exhausted. You miss sleep for two nights, you're both exhausted and you're not thinking straight. And then you start to miss it beyond that, and you're starting to feel like you're losing it completely. It's a very difficult thing to go through. And I was going through this season of insomnia, and I remember it was 1.14 a.m., and the reason I know that is because the little clock on our microwave said it as I walked by it in the middle of the night in the kitchen. My wife was in one room, uh, uh, you know, daughter's passing through and is staying in another room, and I am again three weeks into this knowing that my mind is full alert and I am not going to sleep again. And I was at the end of myself, guys. Now, you know the difference between the end of yourself and the end of the end of yourself? This is the one that we name. This is the one only God can name, right? And I was beyond the end of myself and I fell down on my knees in our living room and I grabbed a pillow and I put the pillow to my face and I just screamed a prayer. Have you ever screamed a prayer? It's like you are in transaction mode and yet conversation and there is this knowing, but there's an an answer that is not coming. And I just said, Lord, deliver me from this. 
because I knew in that next moment I was about to get up and walk into our bedroom and say, Anita, check me in. I'm done. And whatever dominoes fall after this, they fall. I yelled this into the pillow. I was rocking back and forth on my knees. Lord, deliver me. And all of a sudden, after three weeks of what felt like the silence of God, a little phrase went in my head. Your word gives me life. Psalm 119. Your word gives me life. It was all I had, friends. I got up and I began to walk around the house, a wandering (laughs) through the house. Your word gives me life. 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 I had no other words. I had spent all the prayers I had. Your word gives me life. Your word gives me life. And all I know is that six hours later, I had walked that house praying for everything that breathes (laughs) and any name that came to mind. And I just had moved from one place into another. And you know what it was like? It was like all I could see was my own suffering, like a selfie camera on me, like a mirror for all those weeks. It was just like, this is my suffering. This is my suffering. Do you see me in my suffering? And all of a sudden, that mirror became like a window. And I saw the world in its groaning and its suffering and its anxiety and the pain. And all of a sudden, my pain wasn't just about me. I felt like I was carrying the burden, the heart of God for people. And I just began to intercede. And I felt like I was carried on a wave of intercession, of praying for the world and praying for people and praying for my town and praying for those I love. And, and, and I was carried by the heart of God forward. And in those moments, if you've ever experienced them, it's like time passes like that. You are being carried by the heart of God. And though I would not choose that path again, I came out of it with a deeper knowing that I've experienced in all the decades of walking with Jesus. Where I felt like not only was I beloved, but I felt the love of God for a broken, hurting world. Sometimes we are interpreting completely our situations as just our own burden. When actually the Lord is saying, what if I'm actually giving you something to carry that that feels beyond you but is my heart for the world? That's what happens when we abide together. That's what happens when we're in the same home. We begin to carry one another's hearts. And so these three ideas, prayer as a transaction, it's important. We can be askers in this life. Prayer is conversation. We walk with God through the life and we begin to learn how to communicate and commune with God as friend, as the one who is near. But there is this invitation to us to move into a place of experiencing prayer as communion, which literally means common union, union with Christ, to begin to carry his heart. Now, I know that this community is committed to praying for Belfast as a city. But God is also putting you in locations to begin to pray for areas like the church you're, you're going to be in, the building you're going to be in as a church. And God is going to begin to give you things to pray for that community as well. The beautiful part is we take home with us wherever we go. So even if you're driving across the city to here, you are at home in Christ. And you are coming with him to share his heart for this immediate community. And when we do that, we also carry his heart then into the wider city. So I'd like to invite us to stand for a moment. And I just want to lead us in a very simple prayer. I'd like you to, if you could, just maybe uh, open your hands 
as a physical demonstration of the state of our hearts. And I'd just like to this morning uh, lead us in a prayer of openness and yieldedness for the Lord to begin to use us according to his designs and desires as intercessors, as those who know as we are known and who welcome whatever the journey is that leads us into deeper communion and intimacy with God in Christ. Father, you say to us that faithful is the one who called you. Faithful is the one who called you and faithful are you who will complete the good work that you began in us. Father, this world is disorienting and sometimes we can think that it truly does revolve around us. We won't always say that and we can even be very altruistic people and still be disoriented believing that this is about how we feel and it's about the solutions you'll provide for us. But Lord, we see across the story of your family, sometimes we simply are called to walk into the world as you. In this world, we will have trouble, but you have overcome the world. In this world, things will sometimes look like they are succeeding and other times they'll look like they're failing and you will say that is not the metric you measure by. We measure by intimacy with God in Christ. The goal is union, not success. The goal is union, not ease and comfort. The goal is union. And Lord, we say today as followers of the way of Jesus, this way that can seem very circuitous, very windy, Lord, very much a wandering at times, that we remain committed to coming into the fullness of life that you have said is the lavish inheritance of your saints. And we say as we stand here, Spirit of God, come and fill us to the full that we may walk hand in hand with you into the great joys and celebrations and challenges that are ahead. That we might not measure how well we're doing in our relationship with you on measurements that will ultimately fail to dust and dissipate with the civilizations and the ages of this world. We say yes to your spirit brooding over us. Now, Lord, my my sense is this morning that this community is called to be a community that hosts the presence of God, that lives into the fullness of union with Christ, that creates environments of worship and prayer, in prayer walks and times to to come together and worship and pray so that we may be in union with you, Lord. And then we may gain your heart so that we can become those who instead of just thinking about the challenges that our city face or even the explosion in Donegal, Lord, a blessing on those communities that we might begin to pray out of those weights that we sense uh, laying on our hearts. And, And we do, we pray right now out of Psalm 23 
for those in that community, Lord. You are their shepherd. They shall not want, Lord. Lead them into quiet places where they can grieve and find rest and hope. Lord, though they walk through the valley of the shadow of, the de- of, of, of death, be with them, Lord. Let your rod, your staff comfort them. Minister to them. Help them. Lord, we want to be those who carry your heart in the world. And teach us, Lord, teach this community how to pray the scriptures. That we might not simply pray out of our feelings and our compassion. Or even out of the revelatory words you give us. We would pray out of your word, thick and rich with covenant truth. That we would pray what you have already said is true in your word into these situations. We believe that prayer changes things only because you change them in response to us in conversation with you, to us trusting you, walking in union with you. I sense this morning there are just some of us that are are carrying some burdens right now into this morning. And... um, and you just like the Lord to meet you in them, that he has the design and the desire for greater union with him through the trouble. And we just like to stand with you and bless you as you walk this journey. Um, so I just want to invite you, I'm going to invite the prayer team up here. If you just want to come and you're carrying some heavy weights and you'd like to see the Lord convert those, convert those situations, convert those circumstances, but more importantly, convert your heart in a sweet receptivity to the intimacy with you he's wanting to invite you more deeply into. Just come. We'd like to pray for you and bless you. Andy, do you want to come as well? Yeah. Thank you so much, Dan. Mm -hmm. We're going to officially close here. If you have children, you will want to go and grab them from the children's ministry. But the Lord's presence is really here. And there's like a weight in the room. And we want to invite you to, uh, if you're just experiencing a moment with the Lord, you can just feel free to keep doing that right where you are. Uh, if you do want to receive prayer for some of the things Dan mentioned or any need you have, physical, emotional, spiritual, we'd love to pray for you now. Teams up here, uh, ready and waiting to do that. Uh, but let's not miss what the Lord is doing. So I'm just going to close us with a prayer so there's like a real signal that we're actually kind of coming in for a landing. Uh, and then, but let's not miss what the Lord is doing. Father, thank you so much. And we do say yes and amen. We want to commune with you. Would you grow us, mature us, and lead us on this journey? And we pray that this season wouldn't just be about a building. We're grateful for that. But we want to grow deeper in our life with you. We don't want to miss any of the maturity and maturing that you have for us as a community and as individuals. So come Holy Spirit and minister to all of us now. Minister especially to those of us that are sick and grieving or desperate for more of you and who want to step deeper into the life, the John chapter 15 life we've been hearing about this afternoon. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. For all the latest information about what's happening in the life of our church, or if you have any questions or comments, head over to BelfastCityVineyard.com.